Welcome, everybody, to Sippin' and Shippin'. I'm your host, Brian Weinstein. We'll be kicking it here every other Thursday, quenching your thirst for an insider's take to enhance your customer's experience. Grab your drink of choice, kick back, it's Sippin' and Shippin' time. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sippin' and Shippin'. Uh, I'm here today with my partner in crime, Caitlin Postal. Postal, if you're feeling French. Oui, 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 oui. And we have a special guest today, Johan Jacob from Retail Bound. Good morning, Johan. Good morning there, Brian and Caitlin. Hey, Johan. All right, so we do call the episode Sippin' and Shippin', our podcast. So, and this is, uh, I guess, unfortunately, a morning edition. So I am going to go with my standard. I'll be sipping my Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I'm a Northeastern guy and I'm a big fan of Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Johan, are you coffee? Are you a tea guy? Are you a Midwestern pop in the morning guy? What do you like? <laughs> uh, I wish. No, uh, I'm, I'm trying to stay healthy. So right now I got some uh, flavored water. That's what I have this morning. A beverage of choice. Very nice. What flavor did you go with? Uh, orange tangerine. Okay. See, as soon as I got into that, I think I'd be looking for the vodka. Yeah. Hey, right? hey, hey, settle down. <laughs> settle I down. thought that you were plugging. I didn't know if Dunkin' Donuts was sponsoring us or what. Not, but not, not, not yet. yet. Not yet. The power of yet. Exactly. I have some uh, pomegranate green tea in my cup here this morning. Wow. You guys are going like super healthy. And look at me. I'm like kind of in here with, well, at least it's a black coffee. No sugar. There you go. Fair straight enough. up. Fair straight enough. up. Just like my tequila at night. <laughs> All right. So, Johan, we're here to talk today about retail and retail with e-commerce brands and the struggles that are going on. And, and you know, you and I, I I've, I've looked at your LinkedIn. We've been around this. We've been around here for a long time and well before e-com was around. So yep. is retail not dead? Uh, I would say for the most part, retail is is. Uh, not dead, relatively speaking, depending on the category. Uh, I think uh, there are some some opportunities, especially for later this year. But retail is definitely not dead. Okay, well, it's good to hear because I, you know, for me, growing up on shipping into brick and mortar, right? This is it's. Uh, I I don't know. I, I was really concerned, and then uh, obviously you see all the financial difficulties of a lot of the retailers. Um, I'm I'm glad to hear you don't think. It is dead, and I, and I'd like to think that as well. What do you think they need to do? Uh, you, you know, where do you think they're headed? So retail, you know, thanks to COVID, right? The retailers have kind of changed their game, right? They've, they've they, some of the retailers who are a lot larger, like a Best Buy or Home Depot, have really worked hard on their omni-channel strategy. That means pushing more to mobile or to web. Um, which they saw huge inc uh, uh, gains uh, in 2020 and also in early 2021. Uh, retailers have also looked at trying ways to make it easier to get in and out. So offering buying online and pick up a store, so you're not waiting in line or buy online and pick up at curbside. So I think thanks to what happened last year in the pandemic, retailers are trying to find ways to have people do a uh, uh, buy it online, but be able to search products easier online and to get uh, service a little bit faster than they did made through the traditional method. But no, I think uh, this will be definitely a interesting uh, um, paradigm for, for retailers. As you saw the news last week, Fry's, which is a regional retailer, they closed their doors after nearly, what, 30, 40 years in business. Yep. Best Buy laid off about 5,000 associates um, also last month. So it will continue to evolve and change. Yep. But I think, you know, by the time it does sell, Brian and Caitlin, 
we'll be in a better place. Well, I mean, look, they always say a, a forest fire is good for the forest, right? And I know, I, I, I think Lord and Taylor finally closed um, after. So th- there's a there's a lot going on in the brick and mortar space. So you know, I look around and, and e-com is just growing in leaps and bounds. And so if if I'm a brand, if I'm an e-commerce, I'm a digitally native brand. You know, I'm out there and 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 I'm building my business. Yep. Why go to brick and mortar? Like what, you know, why, what would be the, the, the driving factor, the catalyst behind me even thinking about going that direction? The, the biggest one is, is there's actually two things. One is, is selection. You know, I'll send Amazon if, uh, or, or other e-tail sites, right? If as a brand, you know, especially for smaller brands that don't have a big budget, uh, you're one of a bazillion brands. How is a, a consumer try to find you? You know, you know, it's like Google search, right? That I might look at the first one or two pages of, of results and then I'm done, right? With, uh, with uh, you know, with Amazon, it's not a creative assortment. Any Tom, Dick and Harry can get on, on, on Amazon or Marketplace, where in, in brick and mortar, it's a very creative assortment, right? You don't have to choose from 5 million Bluetooth speakers. It's maybe five brands, good, better, best. Using best by the example, I can ask the blue shirt, hey, there's two dishwashers. Which one do you recommend, right? And why? Versus, you know, looking at hundreds or thousands of, of offerings up on various websites. So I think, you know, there is a reason why you'd want to choose a, a brick and mortar. Plus for me personally, when I do go to a brick and mortar store, it's that discovery phase. Ooh, it's coming new, something different. Uh, I used that in the same analogy to trade shows. Last night, they just announced the International Healthcare Show was a large show here in Chicago where I'm based. Okay. Uh, it's canceled. Uh, again, this is two years in a row. So next year, um, this past January, the Casino Track Show was one of the largest trade shows in yep. the world. Was a virtual show. Yep. Um, I've been attending that show for nearly twenty, almost twenty-two years in a row. Wow. And this year, no offense to, to CTA, who, who, who's a great organization. It was a bust. A lot of smaller vendors didn't didn't find that show encouraging because it was a virtual show. Hard to get buyers to stop by their their virtual booths where they're in person. You get that, ooh, it's kind of neat, kind of different. So I think, you know, there is for brick and mortar, Brian and Caitlin, I think there's a, there's a there's, I think people like that impulse. Let's kind of walk through the stores, kind of get that browsing and say, ooh, it's kind of neat. I like this. Let me buy this. We're online. It's kind of tough to get that browsing and that unexpected discovery, as we yeah. say. No, no, I, 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 I totally agree. And that convenience factor, having the ability to go see products that you don't get is different than, than your online buying experience for sure. Now, again, I, you know, having grown up in a generation before e it's a little bit, it might be a little bit different, but, but maybe, maybe it's not, maybe everybody shares that same feeling. So in that regard, do, do you think going towards retail is better for some verticals and brands? So is, is it, is, is that something that's better for consumer electronics versus let's say a fashion company? Uh, or do you think making that transition has, uh, has a broader vertical breadth? Uh, I, that's, a, that's a great question. So for using consumer track versus apparel, right? So obviously apparel, you got the size, the fit, the color, right? It's really tough to buy things, unless it's generically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, those things sell better in store, if you look at returns, which I do, uh, Amazon, 
uh, typically has a very high return rate on soft lines because people buy it online, uh, didn't fit, was the wrong color, wrong size, they send it back. Where in a store like Nordstrom's or Target, returns are fairly low on soft lines because they get to try it out, right? And then if it doesn't fit, okay, they send it back. But typically returns are lower. Electronics, right? If it's a commoditized product like a Bluetooth speaker or a headphone, you don't really need a, a console sales person to kind of help you navigate. So online is fairly straightforward, but if it's more a complex purchase, like a dishwasher, like a 8K TV, uh, or a smart home system, uh, you probably want to utilize a specialist in store. And again, you know, a couple of years ago, Brian, you remember this, the word showrooming. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, where people used to joke about Best Buy being a showroom for Amazon, right? I go to Best Buy, get educated about product XYZ, and I go buy it buy on Amazon, right? Right. Uh, uh, Best Buy's done a really good job, you know, in trying to combat that by educating their sales teams um, by offering a, an assortment in store that's not available on Amazon or Walmart or Apple, right? So, um, yeah, I would say that then on the category, Brian and Caitlin, some products are, are made to be bought online. For others, it'd be better to buy it in store and have someone help you through the buying process. Sure. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, Johan. And uh, to Brian's point before, uh, what I'd like to do is kind of pivot. And now I hear probably eight out of 10 of the startup brands. And when I say startup, I mean like five years or less in existence. They have their eyes on the prize of retail wholesale. Um, I want to flip the script and say to you, what angles are the retailers coming from? What makes a brand stand out from others? What makes a retailer want to engage in an otherwise or with an otherwise um, essentially D to C brand? What, what position are the retailers taking on this? Sure. As a, so as a former large retail buyer, right, we're looking for things innovative, right, something different. And honestly, last year was an unusual year. Many buyers were forced to, you know, change change their plans. They thought, oh, I, I would have uh, have stores open in in March or April or May, and they saw their stores, you know, closed. Um, they saw their inventories cut in half. Um, it's been changing, right? And I would say, you know, retailers now that now that we've kind of we've seen there's a light in the tunnel, there's a there's a there's a vaccine. Uh, people are, are slowly feeling comfortable to sh to go to stores and shop again. As a former buyer, I'm looking for products in your A drive top line sales, mm -hmm. uh, grow all my profits, and importantly, you know, turn inventory X number of times. And at retail, we work with a lot of young startup brands um, sure. that are unique and innovative. And a lot of times what we do when we, we pitch a, 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 a BC brand, sometimes we may did one Indiegogo or they want Amazon Marketplace, but now I want to scale into a Best Buy, a Home Depot, a Costco, a, an Apple, right? You know, we kind of show, you know, we kind of show here's, here's the brand's product roadmap. They're not a one hit wonder. Right. Uh, we show um, maybe some of their, um, their results like here's their sales generally speaking here's the return percentage but look at the measure reviews on amazon or new egg or any other marketplace site right because you want these buyers mostly are risk averse and they can do to show buyer hey we, we have a, a established sales history it may be limited at best but at least we got some sales going helps the buyer you know say you know brian and caitlin i like your product let's try it on bestbuy.com first 
Yeah, I see how it does before we try a couple of stores later in the year. Yeah, right. you know, it's it's funny. I, I was going to, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was going to chime in and ask you the question too, because this is this is interesting. So you had these D2C, emerging D2C brands who were using retailers to kind of get their name out to the marketplace more, right? Yep. You put a, a, a small selection of product in, 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 a, in a retailer who does some drop ship maybe, or they put it on the floor, yep. right? And, and that helps drive traffic to your site. I'm wondering if are the retailers now looking for hot rising brands to bring people into their brick and mortar stores? Like, is that actually, are they, are, are they starting to think about, Hey, you know what? We've got to get people coming here. If I hook up with, with a, with a, a really hot rising e-commerce brand, is that going to bring traffic into my store? Agreed. And I think it goes both ways. You know, having, having a small brand, get a few retailers on their resume, like a Best Buy or a Costco or Walmart, it, it demonizes the brand, right? Right. You know, like, wow, you're at Best Buy, you're at Walmart, you're at Costco, that's great. So it, it drives some value to them. For retailers, Brian and Caitlin, who are still in that, let's say the tail end of COVID and people are still trying to figure out, you know, what they and when they want to do, there are certain categories that retailers are are spend more time on to get people back in. So, for example, products help me play at home, right? right. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. stuck at yeah. home with my kids, yep. you know. So, board games, you know, uh, it's getting nice here in Chicago. So maybe it's a uh, outdoor, you know, like bikes and pools, yep. and you know, um, you know, we have a we have a client we just landed recently that makes a really cool we- uh, Zoom webcam light, right, to make it right. look good on Zoom. I need more than light and make me look on Zoom. Yep. But products help me work at home. Products help me study at home. Products help me cook at home. Right. So, so these buyers, you know, uh, or retailers, Brian and Ken, are looking for products to help consumers who've been stuck at home, yep. right? Working, studying. You're kind of like, okay, what are some products that help me alleviate the stress of staying at home, Which right? Would be a bicycle is, or a Zoom light. Right. That's the first, like the first question that we talked about. Actually, the second question that we, we kind of touched on was that just that is it are some verticals or some categories better, especially maybe given the marketplace and given where the consumer's buying habits are, is that better to go into brick and mortar? Yeah. Yep. And and I will say that, you know, a lot of people like myself have haven't gone on vacations. We haven't we haven't gone for meals and we haven't um, we haven't driven around, right? right. And so for some for some Americans, there is a they have a, a surplus of, of, of cash, right? Uh, and and Best Buy, you know, uh, they saw we saw they had reports last week, you know, that they benefit from that in fourth quarter, uh, where people are buying appliances and TVs because hey, I'm not going to I'm gonna spend five grand to go to see Mickey and Minnie. In Orlando, right. also that five grand on a new dishwasher or a new fridge or a new TV. Disposable income, baby. That's correct. <laughs> Duncan, 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 every morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right, yeah. That's I'll right. take two. <laughs> um, so what is that sweet spot, Johan, of making that move from e-commerce into retail wholesale? Because sometimes it's just volume driven. Sometimes I talk to brands and right out of the gate, they, they may be D to C centric, but they, want, they have their eyes on the prize of retail. And then others, you know, they may only be doing 500 to 1,000 orders a month, but they have maybe relationships that they're already trying to penetrate that market. Is there a sweet spot 
And what does that look like? It's a great question. And I did give you a, a vague, like it depends. Come on, give I'm us saying. the secret sauce. <laughs> Come on. He's holding back. I know he is. He's holding heavy, right. as they Johan. say. No fuck, Johan. Let's get it. You know, as consultants, can't can, can get the, the book for free, right? Yeah. Fair enough. I, I would say that, generally speaking, right, for brands who are, who are willing to take the leap of faith, and, and that's who we work with, right, mm-hmm. it, it kind of boils down to a couple of things. So it boils down to, is your product uh, unique and different, right? If, it's not, uh, if your product is based on price, Right, I'm the lowest, you know, a pair of headphones. You know, it's tough because you're you're competing against multiple brands, right? And in a day, you know, bars gonna keep negotiating down where it isn't worth, you know, selling that retail. You're not making enough money to scale your business, right? So we look at, you know, is the product unique and different, right? The second thing is logistics, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if a lot of our clients uh, we work with in the beginning, we're trying to shift from. Hong Kong or Shenzhen right to US and it's very tough. Many retailers, right, are gonna buy domestically, they're gonna buy from your from your warehouse, okay, uh, or your three PL or your distributor, right? So right. Uh, so making sure that your logistics uh your or your, we call your supply chain is bulletproof. The third thing is capital. Um, because retail, I mean, yeah, on Amazon, your, your main expense is probably, you know, excluding the, the monthly fee or the commission you pay Amazon is probably some pay-per-click advertising, right? Mm-hmm. On, the, on, on how competitive keywords, but in, but with retail, like a Best Buy, well, first there's uh, margins, so there's one cost involved. Uh, there might be some variable costs like com- uh, like uh, uh, commissions, marketing right and and some smaller brands who maybe are doing okay on amazon or indiegogo aren't capitalized to handle large deals from from retailers aren't capitalizing the way 30 60 90 days get paid uh, by retail and they're not capitalized to do some upfront marketing expenses but i think if you have if you have a unique product that has uh, a a small but established sales history on Amazon or or other marketplace. Your supply chain, your logistics, you know, which also your company plays a big part, is bulletproof. And you have some, you have some money in your in your in your bank to again scale the right way. Yep. I think you know you should do. You should, you'll hopefully have a, a a good track record in retail. And 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 with some, that's a you know it, it was kind of making me think a little bit further about. Uh, about retailers are, are some of them, you know, if I, if I'm a D to C brand and I'm, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to make that leap into, into brick and mortar are some of the retailers, I don't want to say better, but maybe easier to navigate into. Do they, do they, are, are some of them out there working more so with D to C brands? So they understand where the pain points are going to be for a D to C brand, or are they yeah. all sort of on the same page right now? I would, I would say that it, it depends on the category, but you know, generally speaking, they're all on the same the same stage. I think for most retailers, for smaller brands, if they're going to take a leap of faith, they'll probably do it now uh, versus fourth quarter. You know, typically, right. like using QVC, right? that's one of the retailers we work with. We actually do a lot of retail, but using QVC, they're not going to show a product on air in 
a new product on air on in November, December, they want something that's a proven a proven winner. So they'll typically test on air, you know, in in May or in yeah, August right. and see how it does. Same for a cataloger. We uh, uh, we just got a large peel from Sharper Image for uh, their Father's Day catalog. Uh, that's their one of their larger catalog for yep. fourth quarter. Our client did very well in the February catalog. Uh, and like, wow, this is great. Uh, hey, we want to put you in the March or the May, June book. Let's give you a bigger peel. Awesome, yeah. right? And yeah. you know, I think retailers, you know, for, for younger brands, if they're going to take a leap of faith, they'll probably do it in that winter, spring time frame before, you know, saying before they, you know, it just seemed to really well, Brian and Caitlin, let's, let's really go, go full blown in November, December during Black Friday and Thanksgiving. Right. Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah, timing. See, timing is something I never considered. I thought you were going to touch on the other key, which is technology, mm-hmm. which brings us to the dreaded conversation of. Yeah, so EDI, right? EDI. I, I know exactly. from our side of the business, from our digitally native brands that we that we work with, I mean, a lot of them are not savvy on the on the EDI side. Do you do you do you see that as one of the the top pain points? For these, not really. Uh, no, um, okay. No, so because a lot of our, so a lot of our clients are, are obviously IT department. So typically, yep. the two routes is, you know, uh, when we when we push to a, a retail buyer, this is Best Buy. We always want to give the buyer, the customer, to the, the buyer, two options. Either a, the vendor can go direct, or we use a distributor. If we go through, and mostly for smaller brands, B 2 C brands, ones that we're all talking about, ninety nine percent of the time. For larger retailers like a Best Buy, Walmart, Target, as you know, with a distributor. Why? It takes much work to set up a one SKU vendor as mm-hmm. when it has 100 SKUs. So, you know, again, so these distributors already have the EDI feed. You know, they're already a vendor record with a Best Buy, Target, Walmart. So that's not an issue. However, if by chance these retailers like a Best Buy uh, want to go direct, with a small brand, mm-hmm. uh, it's fairly straightforward to find a, a third party company to do EDI, a company called uh, SPS Commerce is one of the EDF buyers that we recommend our clients to use. If by chance uh, the buyer says, hey, uh, you need EDI, um, if we go direct, get it, get us up, we typically go to SPS. But not, again, nine of the time, our clients go to a distributor that we set up and which yep. already has EDI fees built in to that retailer. That's interesting. Yeah, I would have thought, honestly, I think that yeah, I really would have thought the EDI, the technology piece was, was was probably the number one struggle. Um, but what, so, what what would you say is that like where where's the number one struggle for these D, for these D to C brands when they when they want to go into retail? Find the contacts, work with buyers. Uh, um, I think you know, buyers have changed a lot. Many buyers are working from home, so it's really hard right. to cold call. Yep. You know, cold call a a a buying office. Hey, uh, my name's Brian at Port Logistics. I want to talk to the buyer for X Y Z. It's very tough. It was tough back then before COVID, even tougher now because, you know, uh, many, many buying offices are, are, are so close. Target uh, and Best Buy, as an example, uh, the Wolf of Minneapolis, uh, they, as of now, not plan to open the corporate office till this summer. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and they've been closed for, for over a year, right? So how do you contact a buyer who's working from home, right? It's very tough. And so I think the biggest struggle for younger brands uh, is trying to find the right buyer. And, and so they typically will choose either a, uh, a distributor uh, or a, or a, a still agency as, uh, as one of the two pats uh, trying to talk to a buyer uh, in old days, 
It'd be, you know, you're going to trade shows, which unfortunately are at least going to happen at least for this year, uh, um, or doing the cold calls, cold emails to try to find someone to talk to. Yeah, and and so so if I've got a brand and I'm 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 looking to go that route, what what would drive me towards a retailer versus opening, let's say, my own pop up stores or flagship stores? Sure. Sure. So obviously with, with, with going after a Best Buy versus your, open up your own little pop-up store right down the street, uh, with, with uh, a larger retailer, you actually make less, less money per unit sold, but it opens the network of people who can buy your product. It's like, again, using QVC or AHN. Yep. You know, to get on air, millions of people can watch that, watch you on air, on TV. It's a 24 right. seven network, right? So where if you're one of our clients did a pop-up store in near, near, um, Johan, by uh, the way, not too, Johan, not too dissimilar from this podcast. There's a millions right. of people that are tuning into this as well. Of course, well, no, of course, <laughs> well, no. of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, but one of our clients did a, did, did a pop-up store, yep. uh, they had a really cool pair of headphones. Um, they did, they did one couple years ago, actually next to an Apple store, mm-hmm. uh, which is blind. And, and they saw great results, right. you know, relatively speaking, they did it a year, a year later in a mall in New York. And it was kind of dismal, uh, but we got that product placed at both Best uh, Brookstone, the airport stores, as well as Best Buy. Uh, they saw a lot more sales per store, right? Yeah, uh, generate per units per store versus you know the pop-up store they did in in Manhattan and the, and the one in uh, in Long Island. So I think you know the, the, there's there's definitely costs. You get, you get away versus the benefits, but I think, you know, go after, you know, certain retailers, you can drive a lot more volume and expand, expand and, and get your brand exposed to hundreds or thousands or millions of people every single day. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I, I think, you know, we're, we're in a period right now and in, in e-commerce where people have to make decisions because I, I, retail seems to have gotten to the point, I should say brick and mortar retail has gotten to the point where there are advantages to it. It is coming back to life. I think the cream will rise and, and the ones that have sort of faded away. I mean, let's face it, COVID was probably the final nail for many of them, not, not the reason that they, that they are, are no longer with us. Agree. We, we, retailers they have a have a, a uh, poor infrastructure, weak PNL, uh, didn't invest a lot of technology. You're right. You, as you Sears Holdings, right? They own Sears and Kmart, right? They've been right. going out of business for nearly ten years, right? So, um, when's that last the last nail in the coffin? It's like you know, Payless Shoes was when they went out of business, right? Yep. Like all the retailers. So yeah, you're right. So I think COVID will definitely you know um, remove the weak from the strong. Unfortunately, right. So I think right once the dust settles, the retailers that 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 emerge will be much stronger, and and consumers like the three of the three of us will benefit from that. We'll, we'll get you know we'll have better customer service, a, a more created a created assortment, and hopefully uh, lower prices from all all this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, this is good. I mean, this is a lot for brands to think about, and uh, we appreciate you coming on today, Johan. To, to to you know share your uh, your expertise. I know you've you've been in this uh, this particular area for a long time, as have I in my space. And I, I think the information that you provided today is going to really help people and guide them forward. So appreciate you coming on. Um, again, Johan is from Retail Bound. Johan, that's that's retailbound.com. 
That's correct. Perfect. So anybody looking, there'll be a link on the, on the podcast. Caitlin, you want to take us out? Sure. Thank you everyone for listening. You can subscribe at sippinandshipping.com or check us out on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever works. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Love to have you guys here and we'll see you soon. Thanks everybody.